0: Luke 6, let's stand for the reading of God's Word, verse number 37. Part of the message this morning will be a Bible study, and then we're also going to uh, take some time and, and do some preaching. I would encourage you to keep your Bibles open this morning and be active, flipping through to the various chapters and verses. We're going to be mostly, if not entirely, in the New Testament and largely in the Gospels. And so please um, uh, turn over to the passages where you can, but to open this morning, we're just going to read verse 37. Let's read that together. Ready? Here we go. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Our theme this year is the commandments or the commands of Christ. We're looking at our first of a handful of series of sermons. We've taken the commands of Christ and broken them into various categories. We're looking at the, the, the category or topic, series topic of my character. My character. Today, we're going to look at this title out of Luke 6.37. Just two words. Command of Christ. Judge not. Judge not. Oh man, this is a heavy one. I hope you're ready. Buckle your seatbelt. We're going going to go for a ride as we seek to understand and uh, put into practice this command of Christ to judge not. Let's pray. Lord, help us this morning to judge our own hearts and, Lord, to understand uh, the truth and, Lord, to be very critical of our own selves on whether or not we have a judgmental spirit inappropriately toward others. Help us to leave this morning more gracious and compassionate and merciful to a broken world around us. Lord, we pray if there's one here that has not accepted the gift of salvation, purchased through the life of your Son on the cross, Lord, that they would receive that gift, that free gift that cannot be earned by good works, can only simply be received. Help them to receive that gift before they leave today. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So two weeks ago, two weeks ago we uh, looked at verse 36, Luke 6:36, and we looked at, uh, in the same chapter, and we looked at Christ's command to be merciful. This morning I'd like for us to flip the coin over and consider the other side and look at the same topic from the other side of the coin. You see, when you are showing mercy, you are not judging. And when you are Judging, you are not showing mercy. Luke 6.36, Jesus commands us to be merciful, even as your Father in heaven is merciful. Then He turns around in verse 37 and tells us not to judge others. So, where does a judgmental heart come from? It comes from a place of pride and self-exaltation. I'm going to elevate myself. I'm going to be filled with Pride, and now I'm going to judge you because of the way you're living and the way you're behaving and what you did because I am uh, superior to you and so I can tell you how to behave. We must remember that we're all broken sinners. We must remember that if everyone knew the darkest corners of our past or the deepest sins of our mind or hearts... And we would not have the credibility to judge anyone else of their poor behavior. We judge or we're tempted to judge when we see a homeless person begging for money. We We, we are tempted to judge when we see drug addicts who just can't seem to get their life in order. We're tempted to judge when we see kids misbehaving and their parents seem lost with proper discipline and control. We judge people who fall asleep in church. We, we judge when someone puts too much sugar or cream in their coffee at the coffee bar at church. I can't believe that. You know, if you like some coffee with that cream and sugar, right? How in the world does someone drink coffee like, like that? I'm, I'm saying this because I've been judged for how much cream and sugar I, Right out there. Been low key judged for how much cream and sugar I use in my coffee, all right? Um, uh, we, we judge when we discover, or are tempted to judge when we discover, that someone has declared themselves to be gay or lesbian. We judge. We judge. We judge. I propose that God has created a system of order and authority that is called. To judge righteously. Now listen, in order to judge righteously, you must live that way. And where we get ourselves in trouble is when we begin to judge others that are not under our umbrella of authority. We condemn and and punish where we have no right to do so. God has commanded us to show mercy and not to show condemnation. So, uh, we're going to look at four principal thoughts this morning as we consider the command of Christ to judge not. Judge not. Number one, if you're taking notes, on the back of your bulletin there is a fill-in-the-blank outline. We'll help you with the blank with the notes on the screen here. Take notes as you go. Notice, number one, our command. Our command. So, uh, three of the four Gospels records this command of Christ uh, to judge not. Luke 6.37 says, judge not. Uh, "...and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive..." and ye shall be forgiven. Maybe the most famous of these three commands is found in Matthew 7, 1, which just simply says, Judge not, that ye be not judged. And then in John chapter 7, verse 24, we find it worded this way, Judge not according to the parents, but judge righteous judgments. Judge not according to the parents, but judge righteous judgments. And then Paul would repeat this command of Christ to the Jewish Christians within the church at Rome. Romans 2, 1, Therefore thou art... Inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou, thou that judgest doest the same things. So, uh, judge not, judge not, judge not, and then in Romans 2, 1, uh, you are inexcusable when thou judgest. Let me give you an A, B, and a C here. Letter A is just simply... Judge not. Judge not. Go back to Luke 6, 37, and we see three distinct commands all connected to the same concept right there in verse 37. Let's read that first of the three commands together. Luke six thirty-seven. Ready? Here we go. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Now, I will show you in a few minutes when it is okay to judge. Because it is okay. Okay, and even necessary sometimes to cast judgment and condemnation. I'm going to show you when it is okay to do that here in just a moment. But uh, for the time being, let's focus on this command of judging not. Can you take your Bibles over to Romans chapter 14? For me, hold your place when you put a marker in Romans 14, because we're going to be back over in that part, that area of Romans a little bit later in the message. Romans 14, and look with me at verse number four. Now, I'll just say this while you're finding your way there: the majority of the time that the average Christian judges, they do so in sin. They do so in sin. They judge, and their ju- their judging is a Sin, look at Romans 14 and look at verse number four. The Bible says, "Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. yea, he shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. Let me explain it to you this way. All right, if I were to go down to the Stratford Baptist Church this morning, the Baptist church down on the town green if I were to go down to the Stratford Baptist Church this morning and walk in the back door and start ordering around the ushers and the deacons, they'd all look at me like I was crazy. Right? Now listen, I am a pastor. But I am not their pastor. So I can't just walk into somebody else's church and start ordering people around, uh, uh, even if I were to do it in a nice way and do it in a nice tone. Hey, can you go over here and do this? Hey, I need you over here doing that. Now listen, at White Oak Baptist Church, as the pastor of the church, I can ask and, and order and, and and suggest and push and, and structure the people in such a way so that we can have an orderly, ch- orderly church because this is my auspice, my umbrella of authority. I was voted in to lead and guide this church, all right? Let me give you another example, alright? Let's say I were to next Tuesday about 5 p.m. Just walk down the street here and uh, walk into the house of my neighbor. Just walk right in the front door and and I were to see the kids of that home sitting there and I were to start verbally uh, correcting and start issuing out punishments for the behavior of the children in that home, I would be out of bounds. Because while I am a father, I am not their father i am not their father so now watch this when someone is doing wrong and that person is not under your god-given authority and you cast condemnation or judgment on them you are guilty of judging another man's servant that fellow church member who you don't like is not your servant they're god's servants you say, oh, pastor, I don't do that. Well, you may not swing a paddle of correction, but you may very well attempt to punish them by cutting them off socially. I'm just not going to talk to them. I'm, I'm just not going to talk to her. I'm going to hold a grudge. I'm going to be unkind. I'm going to be mean. I'm, I'm going to block them on social media. I'm going to exclude them from all of my posts. I'm going to punish emotionally, punish, punish, punish. Punish And uh, listen, we end up being rude and we're being uh, unkind and nasty toward people because we don't like the untoward behavior, so we're unkind to them for the purpose of correcting them. We are judging another man's servant. We're commanded not to do that. Letter A, judge not. Letter B, the command, notice, condemn not. Condemn not. Go back to Luke 6. Verse 37, please keep your Bibles out and use them with me this morning. Uh, Luke six thirty-seven. judge not and you shall not be judged. Read that next part of it with me. Ready? Here we go. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. It was F.B. Meyer, I believe, who once said that when we see a brother or sister in sin, there are two things we do not know. Listen closely. There are two things we do not know. First, we do not know how hard he or she tried not to sin. And second, we do not know the power of the forces that assailed him or her. We also do not know what we would have done in those same circumstances. We just do not know. The human experience is so convoluted and complicated. Each one of us is made up of the DNA of our parents. Each of us have a unique personality and temperament. Each of us have experienced a different set of life's ups and downs. When I see a school shooter on the news, I often wonder what the journey down that path looked like. And these are specul- speculatory thoughts that I have. Maybe no father in the picture. Maybe neglected by society at a young age. Maybe they were bullied severely by their peers at a young age. Maybe they were introduced to the wrong crowd with no adult to help get them back on track and they got pulled by their friends into a very dark place. Maybe they found their way down some very dark rabbit holes on the internet because they had no family to help keep them in check. No system of accountability to keep them from wandering into a very ugly place. Maybe they're angry at culture or a family or maybe they're angry at God because they feel neglected and they've grown into all of that has grown into a dark rage we see a school shooter we think how could someone walk into a school sort of like sandy hook and how could they do such a terrible terrible thing it's really easy for me or you to sit on a perch and condemn people. But the reality is, if you or I had walked through life in their same set of shoes, we may very easily have ended up in the same place. You be very careful about condemning people for their behavior. Writing people off. How many of you know? We need this this morning. Yeah. Judge not, condemn not. Letter C. Forgive. Forgive. Look with me back at Luke six. Look at verse thirty seven. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and ye shall not be condemned. Finish the verse with me. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Life becomes liberating when you learn to make excuses for people's poor behavior. It becomes very liberating. You know, you, you should have an emotional graveyard where you bury the mistakes of others. And put them there quickly. And don't dig them up. Don't exhume the mistakes of others, and revisit them. Some of you here, you emotionally are toxic because you're walking around with the dead corpse of someone else's mistake strapped to your back because you won't bury it and let it go. And you think, well, I, 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 they don't deserve my forgiveness. Yeah, but you deserve your own forgiveness. Because you're killing yourself. You're destroying yourself. You're the one that tosses and turns at night. You're the one that is anxious. You're the one that's all worked up. You're the one whose quality of life is tanked. And they go on living their life as though everything's fine. And because you won't forgive and bury it, you're suffering. The reason why we don't judge and don't condemn and the reason why we forgive is so that we can move on and live life to the glory and honor of the Lord. Go back to, go. uh, turn with me over to Matthew chapter 6. Many, if not everyone in here, has been deeply hurt by somebody, somebody else's sin. Let me just say right here, okay, if you are, say, over the age of 30, and if you're under the age of 30, there's a good chance this works for you too. But if you're over the age of 30, there's a really good chance someone has deeply wounded you in life. In fact, just so everyone can see the scope of this, if you're over the age of 30 and someone has greatly hurt you at some point in life, would you do me a favor and just raise your hand? Hold them up. Hold them up. Look around the room. Okay? You're not alone. You're not alone. Sometimes we think, oh, no one knows what I'm going through. Oh, no one knows the pain. Nobody knows. I grew up in a Christian home, I'm probably not supposed to know that, but I do, alright? The struggle I feel, alright. Um, listen, you're not alone. You're not. The human experience means you're going to be offended deeply by someone else's transgression, your direction. I, listen, and I'm not trying to minimize what you went through. What I am trying to help you see is that others go through deep wounds too. We can hold on to that trauma and pain and try to be their judge, an emotional executioner, or we can forgive. Look at Matthew 6, look at verse 14. Jesus taught, he said, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I'm going to give you a very simple illustration, okay? Imagine a child... Who has some candy and refuses to share with his brother or sister. And you know, you take the, the posture of, you really ought to share. And I said, the child earned the money and bought the candy with their own money, and, and, and they're being very selfish and guarded. And they just don't even want to share one little Skittle with their, or m M&M with their friend or their sibling. And they just want to eat it all themselves. All right? And you push them, hey, you should share. And they ignore the, you know, advice and they just hoard it all to themselves and, and then, you know, torture their sibling as they eat each little piece of candy. And then, an hour later, you're sitting down with a piece of chocolate cake and that same child who hoarded their candy comes to you and says, can I have some chocolate cake? How many of you are going to say, no, you cannot? Aren't we like children in a lot of ways? I cannot and will not forgive such and such for whatever. And then as we pillow our head at night, Lord, will you forgive me for... And God looks at you and says, No, I will not. Some of you here have not been forgiven by God for your sin in years because you will not forgive someone else their trespass. And you are not right with God, and God is not even listening to a single prayer you pray because you're regarding the iniquity of unforgiveness in your heart. You might as well just uh, pray to Allah or Buddha or Confucius because it's making all the same difference. God, forgive me, but I'm not going to forgive. We are to forgive so that we can continue to receive forgiveness from God in heaven. So, what is the command? What is our command? Well, simply judge not, and then condemn not, and then forgive. So, let's move on and look at number two, because I already hear the Bible scholars in the room saying, yeah, but pastor, that's so an, a, such an oversimplification of the topic, and that it would be correct. So, we're going to flesh out the concept here. Number two, let's look at Some clarification. Some clarification. I'm going to give you an A and a B here. Letter A, notice our duty to judge. Our duty to judge. Now, hold on, Pastor. You just told us judge not, and now you're saying it's our duty to judge. Which one is it? Turn over to Romans 13. I How'd you put a marker in Romans 14 so you could get back to it quicker. Romans 13. Now, as is mo- as are most things, All right. context is necessary to understand the truth. You are not to judge a person outside of your God-given authority, but you are to judge and condemn sin which is under your authority. Look at Romans 13 and look at verse number 1. We see God's system of justice or judgment for uh, humanity. Romans 13, one, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are are ordained of God whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation for rulers are not a terror to good works but to the evil if i could read that again rulers are a terror to the evil wilt thou uh, then be afraid of the power but do, do that which is good and thou shalt have praise of the same for he this is the one who's standing in judgment he um uh, for he is the minister of God to the for good but if thou wilt thou do that which is evil be afraid for he beareth not the sword in vain for he is the minister of god a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil wherefore ye must needs be subject and not only for wrath but also for conscious sake. So there's a lot here, but if I could just go back through the verses and highlight the judgment that God has commanded in this passage. Notice in verse 2, um, we see that uh, uh, if you are uh, opposed to the ordinance of God, the ruler uh, the rulers assigned by God amongst men are to be uh, are to uh, dish out uh, damnation. Look at verse 3, they're to be ruler rulers who are terrors to the evil. Look at verse 4. We see He beareth the sword. Um, we see uh, He is the minister of God. He is a revenger to execute wrath upon Him that doeth evil. And ye are to be subject to them. So, verse 5. So God has created a system of authority for the intention of judging, condemning, and correcting sin. Now, if you check out on me and daydream, as some of you do from time to time, you're going to be very confused by the time the sermon's over. So right here, I need everybody to pay attention on purpose. Now, imagine a a murderer telling a police officer who is arresting him, the Bible says not to judge. Imagine that. The police officer just laughed back in his face. Um, police officers judge. That's their job. They have the authority to judge. In fact, if they didn't judge, they would not be good police officers. Uh, judges in our court system are called judges because they are supposed to do what? Yeah. Imagine a criminal at his sentencing, looking at the judge and saying. Jesus said not to judge. Teachers are to judge their students. What do you think an F is on a paper? Do we still give F's out, or are we too politically correct to do that? I know private schools do. I know Is that still done? Okay, F's. You ever notice how they skip over E? Right? A, B, C, D, F. Not E for excellent, F for failure, right? (laughs) Go home and cry. So harsh. My goodness, I I used to get uh, occasional F in school. And I mean, you're talking about about being mopey the rest of the day. Some of my friends didn't care. I cared because when I got home, I had to get the paper signed. And I knew I was going to get either a lecture or a whooping or both from dad. Uh, depending on, you know, how careless or lazy I had been, and, and, and my father was a very good judge on that kind of thing. And uh, boy, I, one time I even signed his name uh, thinking I could get away with it, and uh, my father was the principal of the school, and you can guess how that went over, alright? Um, I got an atomic lecture and an atomic spanking, so. Um, teachers are to judge. And when they grade a paper and hand it back, there is either a, 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 a condemnation or a, 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 pray, a praise on the effort. There's judgment passed based on the effort of the student. The pastor is to judge his flock. I've had people say to me, I've, I've, I've had to rebuke sin in the church. And by the way, God tells pastors to rebuke the flock of God. We want a culture of pastors who are Joel Olsteen who just get up and say, life is grand. I heard him say one time, he said, if you get a good parking spot at Walmart, the divine providence of God is shining upon you. I about threw up in my mouth, amen? So I, anytime I get like the second or third spot at, at Walmart, you know, past the all right little sidebar vent. What's up with all this... Uh, you know, delivery stuff out in the parking lot. You know, now I feel like i got to park in the back for all the people who are too lazy to get out of their car and go inside and get their stuff, right? Put them in the back. Give us the front spots. Can I get an amen? All right, I'm glad I'm not alone on that. Um, but um, any time I get a good parking spot with Matthew or April, I'll look at them and say, the divine providence of God is shining upon us. But we have a culture of churches today where we're looking for pastors to be life coaches. And not a pastor who will stand toe-to-toe with us with a tear in his eye and say, you're wrong. And you need to get that right. I'll just uh, be candid with you this morning. There are a handful of you in here. I know that if I were to rebuke you, you would handle it well. You know, when you take a sheep and you just reach down and you smite the sheep with the staff. You know what that sheep does? He's very meek. And he wants to know what he did wrong because he wants to make it right. But if you take a staff and you swat at a goat, you know what they do? They bite at you and they kick you. Some of you can't handle rebuke because you're a goat and you're not a sheep. You can't handle a little rebuke. Pastors are called to Judge. Parents are called to judge their children. We've got, a, we've got a dearth, an absence of parents who are not doing their job. Do your job and judge and condemn the kids in your life who are doing wrong. Don't ask them if they want to sit. Tell them they're supposed to sit. Don't ask them if they want to listen in church. Tell them to sit up straight and listen in church. You say, oh, well, they're only nine years old. Well, you think I'm just a dictator. We, me and Angela were going to a church when uh, Matthew was four years old, and, and Matthew still remembers this. Um, he'll tell you he remembers it. But we were going to a church where the pastor was very dry and just sort of talked like this the whole time he preached for 45 minutes. This is what you got. And, the Lord loves you, and you should do what's right, and God's Word says. And I'm not exaggerating. For 45 minutes, that was how we preached. And Matthew's four years old. You know what I made him do? I made him sit up straight and look at the preacher, the entire message at four years old. He hated it. Can we get our kids to listen to church? Can we get our kids to behave in Walmart? Can we get our kids off the playground when it's time to put them in the car and take them home? By the way, if you can't get them to obey you at four, five, six years old, it only gets worse when they turn 14, 15, 16 years old. And instead of them just pitching a fit and giving you a hard time and making your life miserable, they start to break your heart. Parents are called to judge. Bosses are called to judge their employees. There's not a single one of you in here who's an employee who would walk in your boss's office tomorrow and say, I don't want you telling me what to do anymore. The Bible says, judge not. Not a single one of you would even think to try that. You know better, because it's their job to judge. If you're doing a terrible job, they're supposed to tell you. If you're doing a good job, you hope they come along and and not only praise you, but give you a raise. Amen? Amen to raises. Raises are good. One day, the judge of the universe is going to hold each of us, that judge, on his behalf, accountable for how well we did our judging. Hebrews 13:17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I want to say to you children in the room today, when you are disobedient and rebellious, and you make your parents' life hard because of your behavior, and you don't want to follow them, and you don't want to follow the pastor, and you don't want to do right, and you want to be rebellious, and you want to push against right, one day your parents and pastor and your teachers are all going to stand before God, and God is going to hold them accountable for how you turned out. Do you really want your mom and dad to come away from God weeping and crying because you... Or just so obstinate and stubborn and rebellious and terrible? God has called you to be obedient. And as your parents judge, oh, you should have a heart that says, I'm not going to press away from correction. I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to be better for it. Our duty to judge, let her be notice our discernment. John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 24. Someone once said, but pastor, is it wrong for me to say say that what someone else is doing uh, or saying is a sin? Is it wrong for me to notice that someone's doing wrong and declare that a sin? Is it wrong for me just to discern right and wrong with what i observe. And to that the, that the answer is a very strong no. You're supposed to discern right from wrong even in the even in the behavior of someone else. Judges chapter 7 verse 24. Everybody find it. Let's read it out loud together. Can we do that? Ready? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgments. So, i am to be able to discern right from wrong in someone else. When Matthew was little, we pulled up to a traffic light. And I think April was in the car as well, but we pulled up to a traffic light. and This was back when before sound systems were as advanced as they are. This guy put a subwoofer in his trunk. And every filling in my mouth was rattling. I mean, he had the bass cranked. My, I thought my muffler was going to fall off my car. I mean, it... <laughs> And, um, and I looked at my, you know, and he's got his windows down and he's revving the engine in neutral, maybe at a, a manual. He's just waiting for the light to turn green and take off and go. And, and um, uh, I looked at my son and I said to him, I said, that is not the way that we behave. That is obnoxious and rude. Amen. I told that story in my Sunday school class the next Sunday and uh, a man by the name of Dave Roth Dave raised his hand and he said, well, aren't you being judgmental of Him? And I told Dave, I said, no. There is a difference between judging an outward appearance and and judging righteous judgments. We are called to discern right from wrong and use those as teaching moments for those under our auspice or umbrella of authority. And we're not condemning. We're just simply discerning. We're discerning. So, let me help explain it to you this way. If you attend here very long, what you'll discover about my preaching philosophy is that while I will preach hard against sin, you will not find me preaching hard against sinners. Because God is the judge of sinners and I have been called to preach the counsel of God and preach against sin. While I will preach hard against addictive drugs, I will not preach and condemn drug addicts. And while I will preach hard against rebellion, I will not call out a rebel and condemn them. And while I will preach hard against same-sex relationships, I will not stand up here and belittle or make fun of those wrapped up in that sin. God has not called me to be their judge. He's called me to discern right from wrong and preach against sin. That's discernment. You look at someone and you begin to condemn them and pigeonhole them and paint them with a broad brush and stereotype them and and label them and and punish them, then you're stepping in the place of God when they're not under your authority. A good example of this would be um, uh, Matthew and I were in uh, Walmart about a year ago and There was a very um, large person. I'm not trying to make fun of anyone. I'm just describing the situation, who was on one of these, um, you know, shopping the the carts that you ride around Walmart, and they were trying to steal a TV. Remember this? I mean, had it in that front cart. It was in there, you know, at an angle, and and they just went. We watched the whole thing happen. We were coming in. And they, they didn't go through the registers. They, they had gotten it in there. They were just trying to ride right out the door. And uh, security stopped them. And just blocked the way. And this person's pitching a fit, pitching a fit. And you know what? Um, it, we saw the whole thing go down. And I, I took the moment to teach Matthew, we don't take things we haven't paid for. Amen. The Lejeuner's do not participate in the five-finger discount. Okay? You pay for it. Alright? Now, was I being judgmental toward this person? No. That's the court's system to judge them. It's my uh, discernment to say, we don't steal. Everybody understand the difference? Our discernment. We've seen the command. We've seen some clarification. Number three, notice the consequences. The consequences. What happens when we begin to judge the person and condemn the soul of the person who is doing wrong? Well, we bring upon our own heads the same behavior that we are giving out. I I feel led by the Lord to say this right here. I don't know who needs this. Maybe nobody needs it. If you're a mom or dad in here and your kids are grown and they're no longer living under your roof and then you've gone from them being under your authority to where now you are an influence over their life and you need to stop trying to control them. You've got to let them go. And you've got to let God be their judge. And you've just got to love them. Don't enable them, but love them. Love them. I see parents with adult children, and I know I'm wandering into some dangerous waters here, but I see adults with uh, 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 parents with adult children uh, who aren't only not enabling, they're just downright being nasty. And they've cut them off almost as though that child's dead to them. What are you doing? You're, You're not their judge, God is their judge. They left your home. They're living on their own while you're still their mom and dad and you still need to love them and pray for them. You need to turn them over to the Lord and let ultimately the Lord straighten them out. Let me give you two principles that I want you to remember when it comes to the consequences. Letter A, notice, the principle of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6-7 tells us, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Can you... Quickly find Matthew 7 and Romans 2. We're going to start in Matthew 7. Matthew 7. How many of you are getting something to help you this morning? Amen? I hope you're getting something to help you this morning. Some of you couldn't raise your hand because you are turning in your Bible. Alright. got to time my questions a little better, I guess. Matthew, Matthew 7, verse number 1. The principle of sowing and reaping. Notice it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. You see, the principle of sowing and reaping, you're judging, you're getting judged. You're meeting out this judgment, it's in proportion being measured out to you the same. Turn over to Romans chapter number 2. Romans 2. In Romans 1, Paul addresses the cultural sins of the Gentile people of his age. We find a list categorically of those sins. There's secularism and humanism and environmentalism and sexual depravity and reprobate lifestyles that are laid out there and Those are pretty much uh, the exhaustive list of the sin of our Western culture today. We're guilty of all of those things. We worship the creation over the creator, environmentalism. We worship ourselves, uh, assuming our, uh, professing ourselves to be wise. We have become fools and uh, uh, working that which is unseemly. Men with men, women with women, sexual depravity. And God gave them over to do that which the Bible labels unnatural. By the way, you'll never find the word homosexual in the Bible or lesbian or gay in the Bible. God calls it unnatural affection. He calls it uh, uh, sodomy. God has much stronger language than we have in our culture. And God says He turned them over to do that which was unnatural. And here Paul is addressing the sins of the Gentile people in Romans chapter 1. And I can see as the letter to the church of Rome is being read aloud in the service, the Gentile people are quiet because they know that the sin of their people is being addressed. And the Jewish congregants of the church are saying, Amen! That's right! Park it right there a while! Get them, preacher! And then we get to chapter 2, and now Paul is going to address the Jews. Look at verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things." But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things, and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them uh, which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, but after thy hardness and impotent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. I could stand here this morning and tell you that by being judgmental that others will be judgmental toward you. And while that is true, what Romans 2 tells us is not only do you bring upon your own head a judgmental spirit of others, you also bring upon your own head a greater judgmental spirit from God. Toward you. God becomes much less merciful to those who are not merciful to others. You walk around condemning and judging and you're asking God to condemn and judge you on a greater, in a greater way. Well, I don't like the way brother such and such uh, uh, does this. I don't like the way sister such and such... Behaves, and I'm going to uh, treat them like this, or I'm going to treat them like that, and you become judgmental in your spirit. You stand in a store and you see someone's kids misbehaving; they have nothing to do with you, and ah, oh, parents in this world, I don't know what they're doing, and you have this attitude of a judgmental heart. to people have nothing to do with you, and you're asking God to hold you accountable. I'll give you a case example here. How many Christian men? are very hard in their stance on the transgender movement and the lesbian gay movement and they stand up and say it's wicked. But then they go into their closet with their cell phone and they're consuming pornography. You're an excusable old man that judges. A lot of people want to rip drug addicts because they have a problem with drugs. First, get on your knees and pray for them. Second, put down the spoon, glutton. You're addicted to food. And you just deal with a different set of consequences. But, oh, you want to be, oh, I'm drug addict, so I'll tell you what. Thou art inexcusable, O oh man that judgest. I think Jesus worded it this way Matthew 7. He said, get the beam out of your own eye before you go poking at the moat in someone else's. Amen. The principle of sowing and reaping. You want to be a harsh, judgmental soul. Not only are others going to be harsh and judgmental your direction, you're inviting God to be harsh and judgmental with you. Letter B, we see the principle of pride and humility. Turn over to James chapter 4. James 4. Look with me at verse number 11 and 12. That last point I made was quite sharp and harsh. Remember, it's my role as pastor to rebuke sin. Number one. Number two, remember that Jesus was very hard on Pharisees. And a judgmental heart comes from a Pharisaical heart. All of us deal with a little Pharisee that lives inside of us. And all of us need to get rid of him. Look at James chapter 4, at verse 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother. Oh, those text threads. How they doing? That passive-aggressive uh, Facebook post where you didn't say the person's name, but you were implying someone. That phone call you had with a brother or sister in church about something you don't like or care for in someone else. That complaining around the water cooler you did with your, about your husband or wife this past week. Speak not evil one of another. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Look at verse 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Here's the heart of the issue right here. When you judge others outside of your purview, you assume the role of God. You, in essence, are standing in His place and you act as though you have supreme authority to both discern and condemn. When we talk bad about someone because of their lack of character or behavior, just to complain and criticize. There's no effort to help someone be better. There's no effort to make a situation stronger. There's no effort to repair a brother in Christ who's struggling. It's just simply to complain and criticize about someone's behavior. We are guilty of being judgmental when we emotionally cut someone off because we don't like the way they look at us or talk to us or over some personality tick or minor infraction, we're guilty of being judgmental. When we look at a brother or sister who has a sin habit and then we limit our contact and influence in their life because of a condescending attitude from within us, we are guilty of being judgmental. These behaviors are born out of the heart of arrogance. You know what pride says? Pride says, I would never, ever, ever behave that way. I can't believe he'd do that. I would never do that. I can't believe the way she acts. I would never, ever in my wildest imagination act that way. You know what humility says? Humility says... With a tender heart and possibly even a tear in the corner of the eye, it says if I had walked in their shoes their entire life, it is entirely possible that I would struggle with the same things and I would have landed in the same place. You know what? I'm not going to show them condemnation. I'm not their judge. I'm going to show them mercy. People are broken and messed up. And you know what's not going to fix them? Hey, listen up, I'm almost done. You know what's not going to fix them? Your arrogance. Your arrogance has never, ever fixed anything. Pride brings contention and destruction. We see our command, some clarification, the consequences. Quickly, number four, notice our compassion. Our compassion. Go back to Luke 6, where we began this morning. How do we help people who are broken? Well, let's flip that coin back over and look at Christ's command to be merciful. Look at Luke 6 and verse 36. Here's how you help someone who's broken and struggling Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Read 38 with me. Ready? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. What are we giving in this passage? Mercy and compassion, and a tender heart, and a second chance, and forgiveness, and long-suffering. What happens when you give back mercy instead of condemnation? You get it back tenfold. Because there's going to be a time where you need someone to show you mercy instead of judgment. More importantly you get it back not only from your fellow man, but from God Himself. Luke 6.37, again, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. It is human nature to be judgmental. It is human nature because it is sin. I have done my best to convey the truth as accurately and clearly as I know how. Now it's the Spirit of God's turn to convict your heart. I can't do that, only He can do that. Are you dealing with a judgmental attitude this morning? Why don't you ask God to help you with that? If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ alone to save you, listen, salvation is simple. The judge of the universe condemns your sin and punishes it in hell. But then he sent Jesus to die on the cross in your place. You see, God punished Jesus on the cross so he could reward you with the gift of eternal life. What an exchange But you don't get it through your good works. You get it through your humility. You get it through your faith. For by grace you're saved through faith and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Religion does not get you into heaven. Self-righteousness does not get you into heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're here today and you've never, ever put your faith and trust in Christ alone to save you, why don't you help? let us help you do that this morning? If you're here today and God's working working on your heart about a judgmental spirit, why don't you ask God to help you with that today?